You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family compelled by God's love to practice the way of Jesus together in Austin. Our big prayer is this, in Austin as it is in heaven. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. So great to uh, be here with y'all today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake, and uh, it's my, my joy to be the uh, lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and so glad that you're joining us. If you're visiting today, picked a great Sunday to be here as we're celebrating Jaden. That was really awesome, Jaden. Just loved uh, getting to hear from you and uh, celebrate what God's doing in your life. But uh, because of Jaden's uh, baptism, I'm teaching from down here today, so that probably helps y'all. You don't have to Maybe it's going to make it harder for you to actually look at me, and that's probably a good thing. So, you know, but um, we'll, uh, we'll have some fun this morning as we are wrapping up our series that we've been in for the last five weeks called Teach Us to Pray. And uh, this series, as y'all, many of y'all know, has corresponded, gone along with um, our 28 days of prayer and fasting, and uh, that ends today. And so it's been so fun over the last uh, month or so to just get to hear uh, from many of y'all to talk about how over this last month um, you have just experienced a, a closeness with God, an intimacy, a, a awareness of his love for you uh, like never before. Like I've heard a lot of stories about uh, what uh, God has done in your life through this focus in prayer and you leaning into this practice has been really encouraging to me. It's also been just amazing to hear so many uh, stories of answered prayers that have taken place over this last month. And oh, man, it, I could go on and on about those. It's been really, it's been, God has just been doing some awesome things in our church family and praise him for all of that. But um, now... With today's sermon, uh, our focus on prayer is over and the fast is over, so y'all can all stop praying now. Like, we've done that, it's happened, it's been good, and now you can stop. Of course, I kid. Um, actually, the hope from the very beginning of this 28 days of prayer and fasting has been that this, this month wouldn't just serve as like a, you know, a season of focused on prayer, but it would actually serve as a catalyst that would move us and grow within us a passion and a commitment to practice prayer ongoing for the rest of our lives, both personally and corporately as a church. And so fitting towards that end, today's last message in our Teach Us to Pray series, I've entitled uh, Unceasing Prayer unceasing prayer, like let's not stop. And I get that uh, wording, unceasing prayer, from something that uh, is found in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which the, uh, say the book of 1 Thessalonians, it's actually a letter that uh, the apostle Paul, who was this like master apprentice, disciple of Jesus, wrote to this little church plant, Thessalonica. And in it, he includes this statement at the near the end of the book, that's just kind of a summary of how to live our lives. And here's what he says. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 16 through 18. He says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, so uh, why don't we all say that together? 
And just let this kind of sink in. Uh, rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Very good. If you're following along in the ESV, which is the type of Bible of uh, translation that's in front of you in the pews, that verse reads this way. It says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That, that last line, this is the will of Christ Jesus for you, like, that's, a, that's a big statement, right? I mean, this is Paul saying, this is, what, this is what God wants for you. But what does this even mean? I don't know how many of y'all are probably familiar with this idea of unceasing prayer or praying continually. I grew up in a church, and so I heard about this from a young age, and it always bothered me <laughs> for a very long time. I was like, how do you, like, really praying continually or praying without ceasing? Like, that, that, what does that even look like? I mean, that's impossible, and it is, right? You know, think, I'm, I'm going to, what, I quit my job? I'm going to leave my family. I'm going to check out of school. I'm going to throw my phone into Lake Austin. I'm going to, I mean, what, like this, I'm going to run off to a monastery. And then I'm a, that's the only way I could do that. But then I still have to sleep. Like, what, how do you pray? Like, to me, it's like, Paul, you're just getting carried away. It's just such a hyperbolic statement. So for a long time, I, I did just kind of chalk this up too hyperbole, right? And just like, well, this is just Paul's way of saying what God's will is, is that we would just pray and that we would pray a lot, right? But actually now, don't believe that's what he's saying. I don't think that's the best interpretation of this, just to see it as hyperbole. I think that what Paul is talking about here is lost on us because Paul has a broader idea of what prayer is than what we normally think about when we think about prayer. I actually talked about this a little bit last week if you were with us, but like usually when we think about prayer, we just think about talking to God. And to get even more specific, we think about talking to God about the things that we want him to do for us or perhaps what we want him to do for others, right? But that, and hopefully you've seen this over the last uh, month, through our 28, 28 days of prayer, is that, that that's just a small element or aspect of what prayer really is. It's definitely a part of it. Petition, intercession, prayers like that, great. But that's not all that prayer is, right? Prayer, we saw and through this last four weeks, or pray, include praying prayers of gratitude, prayers of lament. We didn't talk about it too much, but it would also include prayers of confession, and that prayer also includes a listening to God. And as we saw last week, prayers of contemplation, where we, we just practice the presence of God, where we're fixing our mind on him and his presence and his beauty with us. See, uh, prayer, as Paul sees it here, is that uh, prayer is um, uh, not just communicating to God or with God, but that prayer also includes just communing with God, connecting to God. To use this quote from Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, I've gone to it every week in this sermon series, so maybe you know it by heart now, but Paul Miller says, prayer is the medium through which we experience and connect to God. And that's 
friends, how Paul, the Apostle Paul, would speak about prayer here. At times, he would talk about prayer, prayer in the sense of communicating, talking to God. But here, unceasing prayer, praying continually, doesn't just mean communicating. It also means, and perhaps even stronger emphasis in this statement in 1 Thessalonians 5, on communing with God, staying connected to God, aware of God, having our mind set on God. So that's what Paul's calling us to when he calls us to unceasing prayer. For he knows it is God's will for us to continually remain connected with God, oriented to God, mindful and dependent on him, relating to him in every minute of your day. Like you wake up in the morning, you make that coffee, you uh, get the kids off to school, or you commute to, into work or into class, and you return the emails, and you design the thing, and you go back home, and you walk the dog, and all, all of the things that make up your life, you do all of that while also staying aware of and connected to the God of the universe who's always present with you unceasing prayer. See, that's the goal of prayer. The author and pastor John Orberg says, the goal of prayer is to live all of my life and speak all of my words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. It's really good. The goal of prayer is to live all my life and speak all of my words in the joyful awareness of the presence of God. Now, listen, there are all kinds of uh, like just labels for this kind of life in Scripture. Uh, Paul calls it here, unceasing prayer, praying with continually. But in the, his letter to the church in Galatia, he calls it a staying in step with the Spirit or walking with the Spirit. And I love that word picture, just stride and stride, step and step with the Spirit of God. Or Jesus in John chapter 15 talks about this using kind of an agrarian metaphor of remaining in the vine. We've looked at this passage a lot this school year as a church, but just to remind you what Jesus says, he says uh, that um, we are to abide and we are to remain in him. To quote him, John chapter 15, verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then later on in that passage, he goes on to say, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Which is to say that according to Jesus, the byproduct of remaining connected to him is that you will experience, you will have his joy. A deep, pervasive sense of well-being on the soul level. Now, another term that is used to kind of encompass this idea of unceasing prayer or walking by the Spirit or abiding the vine is a term that was made famous by a Parisian monk named uh, Brother Lawrence. And he uses the term uh, practicing the presence of God. And I think, I think that's my favorite way to think of this because this, doing this, it does take practice. It takes practice. 
fact, there's this quote by uh, Dallas Willard, uh, philosopher, theologian Dallas Willard. Uh, I've used it before. I think it's phenomenal, so I'm going to share it again with you. Uh, Here's what Dallas Willard says. He says, the first and most basic thing we can and must do is to keep God before our minds. This is the fundamental secret of caring for our souls. Our part in thus practicing the presence of God is to direct and redirect our minds constantly to him. In the early time of our practicing, we may well be challenged by our burdensome habits of dwelling on things less than God. I love that. Anyone else have that problem? Yeah, Oh, me too. But he goes on to say, these are habits, not the law of gravity, and can be broken. A new grace-filled habit will replace the former ones as we take intentional steps towards keeping God before us. Soon our minds will return to God as the needle of a compass constantly returns to the north. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. See, the reason why the first and most basic thing we we can and must do is to keep God before our minds is because, one, we were created to be in communion with God. We were created for that. And two, it's because this is where love and joy and peace is found. It's found in being with God. The things that we crave more than anything else, love and joy and peace, where is it found? It's found in being with God. See, uh, we have this little saying as a church that kind of captures what it looks like to be a uh, apprentice or disciple follower of Jesus. We say that uh, an apprentice of Jesus, first goal is this, to be with Jesus. The second goal is to become like Jesus. And the third goal is to do what Jesus did. Now, That little statement, that's not like a formula statement. Like following Jesus is not formulaic. It's relational because he's a relational God. But if you go with me for just a second here, if, let's say, following Jesus was a formula, just hypothetically, uh, I had no doubt would believe that the first step in it would be being with Jesus or staying in step with the Spirit or praying unceasingly. Because uh, being with Jesus is the first step, but it's also the middle step, and it's also the end step. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the first point, and it's the middle point, and it's the end point, because, guys, it's the whole point. It's the whole point. And Jesus knows that it's when we are with him that we experience Life and life to the full and the joy, the complete joy that we were made to have. See, the longer I follow Jesus, which has been for several decades now, kind of, kind of getting up there, uh, what I've come to see uh, is that life is very complex. But I've also come to realize that the goal of life is really pretty simple. Doing it's not simple, but the goal of like, what is it that, that's really the, the most important thing to aim for? It really is pretty simple. And see, it's, it's this. 
it's a staying aware of and connected to the God of the universe. It's the first and most important thing that we can and must do for the care of our souls. It's, it's waking up in the morning and recognizing God is with you. And then uh, fixing your mind and heart on the beautiful reality of God's loving presence with you. And then you make it your aim to stay in his loving presence, aware of his presence with you through the rest of the day. And you might make it four minutes or you might just, or you might make it four hours, but whenever it is that distracts you or gets your mind off of him, or when you choose to go your own way and turn your back to him, pursue sin, whatever it is, at, at any time you just stop and you remember him and you turn back to him, what you do is you find him there, that he's been there all along with arms wide open, ready for you to return to him. So you just fix your mind back on him, your heart back on him again and again. And then from that moment, you move on trying to stay in the place of constant awareness and connection to the God of the the universe who loves you with an incomprehensible love. See, there are 86,400 seconds in every day. And so when you wake up in the morning, your goal and my goal as apprentices of Jesus is to live as many of those as we can in the presence of God with our heart and mind and attention set in him in unceasing prayer. Friends, that is, my humble opinion, the most important thing in life. And if you take Jesus seriously, he has said it is the ultimate source of joy. For according to Jesus, there is a seamless connection between abiding in him and joy. Like there's no distinction between the two. They just flow together. They go together, hand in glove. See, they, uh, it's, I think that's why Paul links unceasing prayer with rejoicing always and giving thanks in all circumstances here in this passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. See, for when you are in constant communion with God, joy and gratitude are what is produced. It's the byproduct of remaining in the vine. I tell you this, Jesus says, so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. See, we, we live in a city that I, I mean, I absolutely love our city. But, but we live in a city that believes that joy or whatever we want to call it, happiness, or good time, having a good time, is the whole point of, of, of life. And we think that the way to have that is by going to the next cool restaurant and getting that next meal, or hitting up that food truck, or, or hiking the green belt, or starting that new relationship, or going out to that cool bar at night, or getting the new car, or getting the new promotion or whatever it might be that we think that it, that joy what we're really looking for is found somewhere out there but with Jesus the beauty is is that he says joy is found not out there but right where you are 
with God. For joy is ultimately found in God's presence. That's why in the language of the New Testament, love and joy and peace are the byproducts of walking with the Spirit, remaining in the vine, as Paul says here, unceasing love. Which is why, friends, it is God's will for us to pray without ceasing. You see, he wants us to have joy and love and peace. And he knows that's what will result from a life that is spent in unceasing connection and communion and communication with him. And so, listen, if that's what you want to, like that's what God wants for you, love and joy and peace is found in him. If that's, if that's what you want too, then I think we're really wise to ask the question, okay, what will help us go from being so busy and distracted with, you know, work and school and parenting and not being able to put our phone down to a heart and mind that's fixated on God and a life that is spent in unceasing awareness of his presence. Like, what will help us move from where we all are to that place? Well, oh, I think that there is uh, uh, many ways or many things, I could say, that will help us go from where we are to that place. I think about things like just being in, in Christian community, being an MC or huddle with others in your life that are spurring you on to, to follow Jesus and keep our mind on him. That's a, big, that's a big, big deal. Or I think about gathering each week, starting our week off, worshiping God and remembering him, singing his praises, hearing his word. This is, this is a part of the rhythm that will help you do that. Or I think about just slowing down, practicing the Sabbath, getting time with God. Like those kind of things certainly all will help you. Those are all wonderful things. But this morning, as we wrap up this series on prayer, I just want to focus on one practice one ancient practice, one practice from the life of Jesus that I think has the power to help us keep our minds fixated on God and staying aware of him, keeping God before our mind and hearts at all times. I think this one practice will help us like no other practice. And that, uh, that practice, it, it, it comes by many names. Think about, uh, many call it a fixed hour prayer. Others call it the divine hours in the Catholic tradition, it's, it's known as the daily office. But all of those are just labels to describe the same, same thing, which is uh, taking time to pray, to stop and to pray three times a day, morning, noon, and night. Now, if you're following me, you might find this a little ironic, right? Because I'm talking about praying without ceasing, and I'm saying the way to do that is to choose three times a day to pray. It's like, what, right? But, but here's the thing. Uh, I'll use uh, still this line from uh, Pastor John Mark Comer. He, he, he makes the point that uh, in order to uh, pray all the time, we need to pray much of the time. <laughs> in order to pray all the time, we need to pray much of the time. Or put another way, to practice the presence of God all day long, we need to pause and to pray throughout the day in order to bring our mind back to God so that eventually, over time, our minds will stay constantly aware of his loving presence. And historically, friends, the way the followers of Jesus 
And the people of God have done this for thousands and thousands of years, actually predating Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, uh, is um, this practice of daily fixed hour prayer. Think about what uh, Psalm 55, 16 and 17 says, and David writing that says, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. Evening, morning, noon, or as we're saying, morning, midday, and evening. I cry out to God, he hears my voice. Or I think about uh, how we see this practice in the life of Daniel. Think about uh, Daniel in the lion's den. You know, Daniel chapter 6, if you are familiar with that story, what gets Daniel thrown into the lion's den? It's the practice of fixed hour prayer, right? I mean, remember, if you're familiar with that story, the king, King Darius, he, he makes, passes a decree that says for 30 days, no one's allowed to pray to anyone except for him. But Daniel, as it says in Daniel 6 verse 10, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. See, that's why Daniel was thrown to the lions. And if you want to know what happened to Daniel when he was thrown to the lions, uh, you can keep reading. I'm not going to get into that. Or you can just grow up in church. It's a favorite for Sunday school, you know. But my point in bringing Daniel up right now is just to, just to show you that like, uh, Daniel seemed to think that fixed hour prayer, praying three times a day, was so important it was worth dying for, or potentially dying for. Spoiler alert. But, um, and so what's, what's, what's interesting, what's wild to me about that is that this, this idea of praying three times a day, it's not commanded anywhere in Scripture. You read through the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, you don't see this command in. It's not like Daniel was doing it because he felt like he had to. I have to pray three times a day or God's going to be mad at me. He's going to punish me. I'm breaking the law or breaking the you know, covenant. It's not, not the case at all. The whole Bible, there's no, no, no command to pray three times a day. And yet, Daniel, perhaps because he was just so wise... He seemed to understand that in order for him, who was an exile to the land of Babylon, Persia at that time, and he knew that in order for him to stay faithful to God, in order for him to, to continue to follow God faithfully, he had to have his mind fixed on God. He had to stay connected to God at all times. And so he would have to pray three times a day that that would help him stay connected to God so he would say faithful to God, that he realized that growing up in the coercive soil that was Babylon, this was necessary for him. And friends, I, I just wonder for us, here in Austin, Texas in 2023, this post-Christian city and our secular values, if we want to just also be wise to realize that if we're going to remain faithful to God and we're going to stay constantly aware of his presence, it would be wise for us also to practice praying morning, noon, and night. 
to build in this rhythm of prayer in our lives that would be these backstops, if you will, helping us when we realize when our alarm goes off on our phone or whatever it is that's our instigated to say, no, it's time to stop to pray, to realize, okay, my mind has been off of God. I've been busy doing all these other things, focused on so many other things, but here I'm coming back to him in prayer, aware of his presence, and I want to start staying there for the rest of the day. And if you wander off, then that, boom, evening prayer comes, and it's, all right, here I am again. And to build in that rhythm until, like a, a needle on a compass returning, returning to the north, we begin to build in this grace-filled habit of setting our mind constantly on the loving presence of our great God. And in that, experiencing the joy and the love and the peace that is found in abiding, remaining in him. See, Daniel seemed to think it was really important. Jesus also seemed to think that this was really important. And Jesus has also practiced this kind of fixed hour prayer. And simply probably because he, he grew up in Nazareth and, 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 and as a Jew, this was the tradition of that day. Like they all practiced morning and midday and evening prayer. And so Jesus would practice that as well. And like we have examples of that if in all the gospel accounts. We see Jesus withdrawing at set times. For example, Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, um, it is worth mentioning that not all the times that Jesus prayed fixed uh, fit the fixed hour of tradition of Jewish prayer. Uh, Jesus prayed those times and lots of other times. Like, I don't think that it was part of the Jewish rhythm to do moonlit all-night retreats of prayer like we see Jesus doing in Scripture. But that's probably because, as a one, he got it. He knew that being with, with the Father and the Spirit was, was where joy is found. It's what he wanted more than anything. But that would also, it's part of why he would pray regularly and why he would pray off of those rhythms as well. But here's the thing that I think that we do to our detriment. Most of us just seek to pray spontaneously. That we just think, well, I'll pray when I think about praying. But most of the time, that leads to us not praying very often. But when you pray regularly, when you have that built into your daily rhythm, then you will find that God's on your mind more often, which leads you to pray more often. So yes, you have midday prayer, but you're also praying at, you know, whatever, one o'clock and two o'clock, because God is ever before you. And so prayer, in that sense, communicating to God happens more when you are constantly aware of his presence, communing with God, and this unceasing prayer. See, Jesus prayed regularly, and it's why he also was helped to pray all the time. And his disciples followed his example. I mean, you would go in to Acts and start reading through the book of Acts, what you see is that uh, his disciples continued this practice of fixed hour prayer after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. For example, in Acts 2, it's, it's, it's during morning prayer that 
Jesus' followers are all gathered together and they receive the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Or for example, in Acts chapter 10, it's during noonday prayer that Peter goes to the roof and prays and God shows him that the gospel was not just meant for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. It's these fixed times. You see them throughout the book of Acts. And then that rhythm continues, friends, passed down from Jesus down to the disciples, to the early church. We know that from uh, one of the earliest uh, recovered non-documents that details church life in the first and second century called the uh, Didache. And it details morning and midday and evening prayer rhythm of the early church to the first, second, and probably the third century. My point in mentioning all of this, okay, my point in mentioning all of this is just to show you that a three-part daily prayer rhythm is an ancient Hebrew practice that Jesus and his disciples and the early church were committed to doing because, friends, nothing helps you remain aware of the loving presence of God like prayer does. And I believe that if you will begin making time to pray at fixed times throughout the day, you'll begin to find that it will help you remain in a continual orientation and connection to an awareness of God for the entire day. And so uh, as we wrap up this series on prayer, that's the ongoing practice that I want to put before you today and I invite you into. That we would practice the presence of God, that we would seek to pray unceasingly, through the practice of fixed hour prayer, choosing to pray at least three times a day, morning, midday, and night. Now, if you're going to do this, and, and listen, this is your choice, okay? We're not going to uh, show up at your door to see if you did, did that at, you know, more in the morning or show up at your work and see if you're praying at noon. But it, this, is, this is your choice. But if you're going to choose to do this, you might wonder, okay, well, what, what do I actually pray during those times? And so real quick, let me just get practical, and let me just kind of share what my practice has become in doing this. Uh, first of all, uh, in the, um, I would say that a part of the, uh, the strategy, if you will, or planning behind this, uh, this prayer series is just to, was to introduce to you these different types of prayer, right? Uh, these prayers, a pre, pre-written prayer, praying those, or, or praying gratitude, or praying uh, um, uh, lament, and praying petition or intercession, and then praying these, these listening prayers, practicing Lectio Divina, and then praying contemplative prayers like we did this last. We wanted to introduce these different types of prayers so that you would get a chance to, to do them and get familiar with them, see, yeah, get comfortable with them to some degree. And now, with this fixed hour prayer call, what I'd like to do is is encourage you to work them into your daily prayers. That's what I've begun doing, and I just love it. And so, uh, for example, what I do is that in the morning, I take time for for contemplative prayers. I begin my time with God by just being aware of his presence, reflecting on him who he is, his beauty, 
and then uh, receiving his love. And then from there, after about five minutes or so of that, I move into a time of listening prayer. And I open up the word, and I spend time in a passage, and I ask God to speak to me through his word. That's, that's my morning prayer practice. And then around midday, usually for me, right after lunch, I pray the Lord's Prayer. And I just work my way through the Lord's Prayer, taking kind of line by line and, and riffing off that, kind of like we did at the concert of prayer on Friday night, for those of y'all who were with us, really awesome night. <laughs> really, really enjoyed that. And just spent some time praying through the Lord's Prayer. And then at evening or Right before my workday ends or sometimes right before I go to bed, what I do is I pray prayers of gratitude and prayers of lament and prayers of petition and intercession or a mix of any of those. This is what my prayer life looks like right now. And as I do this, God, I have found, is on my mind more and more throughout the day. Now, of course, you say, well, Jake, you're a pastor. Like, isn't that like just default for you? But it's not, actually. But it's becoming more and more the case. And this right here, this practice is helping me in that. And so I want to invite that, invite y'all into that as well. I just offer this to you as say, this is helping me. I think it can help you. So I'd encourage you to lean into it. One other thing that's helping me, quick aside, is praying with others. Corporate prayer. And and. Like, I can't, I'm just not disciplined enough to do this all solo. And so when I have friends and, and places to gather with other people praying with me, man, that really helps. And so I will just let y'all know that these corporate times of prayer that we've been doing as a church through this 28 days, continuing that. And I want to continue to invite y'all to join us for these times. And you might have noticed in these times that we gather corporately to pray each they have a little bit of a fixed hour rhythm to them. There's a morning time together, there's a midday time together, and there's an evening time together. Sunday mornings at 9.15, we pray together. Monday nights at 7 p.m. via Zoom, we gather to pray together. And then Tuesdays at 12.15, we gather to pray together. And I would encourage you to lean into that or just pick one of those and join us for that prayer, for that corporate time of prayer is so helpful to keep you praying consistently on your personal side of things. So that's what I want to invite you guys into as we wrap up our time of focused on prayer. But um, I want to be clear. This is not some kind of legalistic standard that I'm trying to put in front of y'all, okay? Like, this is not me saying, if you don't show up for corporate prayer, if you're not praying three times a day, you know, shame on you and whatever, like trying to give you some kind of guilt trip here. It's not it at all, friends. This is, this is an invitation into life. And it's just an invitation, but life, life, joy, and love, and peace, it is found in abiding with Jesus. It's found staying in step with the Spirit. It's found in a life that's lived in unceasing. And I want that for you. More importantly, God wants that for you. 
That's why this is his will for you in Christ Jesus. That's why praying continually is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's, that's, a, that's a big line. This is God's will for you, right? I mean, we often ask that question. What is God's will for us? Like, that's the big million-dollar question. And what we mean by that usually is, I want to know what God's will is in regards to the big decisions I need to make in life, right? Should I take this job? Should I move to this place? Should I marry this person? That kind of stuff. And those are great questions to ask of God. But God, friends, has made it really clear what his will for us is in about 99% of all of life. It's right here. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. See, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so, friends, let's start here. Let's slow down. Let's arrange our day, arrange our schedules around the practice of the presence of God. And let's move through life from a posture of joyful and grateful prayer. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We invite you to practice the way of Jesus in Austin with us because as we become more like Jesus, Austin will become more like heaven.